ESPN 94.1 FM at AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Friday, July 17th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK. That is 877-420-8255. Miller Lite, whole true, great taste. Only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. It is our Friday edition. Hopefully we'll have time to take your phone calls. we got a lot to get into, as we always do here. Uh, we've got baseball coming up this weekend. That's right. We've got baseball coming up. Some exhibition baseball coming up. It'll start tomorrow, 7 o'clock, between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cleveland Indians. And they're playing three games in an exhibition series before the start of the shortened regular season. So Pittsburgh will play host to Cleveland twice, and Cleveland will play host to Pittsburgh one time. So it'll be a three-game series. We will have those games for you right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930, starting with the first game coming up tomorrow. Again, 7 o'clock is going to be our airtime, 7.05 first pitch for Pittsburgh and Cleveland. So I know a lot of people are getting excited. Baseball, a lot of people are going to be watching that with interest to see what they did right, what they did wrong. You know, they're going to actually pipe in crowd noise from MLB The Show. So they're going to... They've gotten the assets and everything. They partnered with Sony. Of course, MLB The Show is the official video game of Major League Baseball. So there's a partnership there. They're going to, because you've seen some of the other soccer leagues do that, and they're going to try to get the right mix of sound. It's interesting to me to hear what they're saying in the dugouts, but at the same time, I'm sure you don't want to have it so quiet in the ballpark that you can actually hear all those conversations if you're on the field, if you're – in the heat of the moment, you're in the field of play. You're just used to that natural sound. And so this is what MLB is going to try to do. They're going to have ambient sound. They're going to have crowd reactions. They're going to have walk-up music. You know, everything you would expect for a baseball game except the crowds. And what some soccer leagues have done, they've wisely taken those lower seats and they've just put advertising all across. I was watching some of the, the Premier League action over the weekend and you see where the good seats are, there are banner ads or tarps, or they have ads across where you don't notice their fans gone because you see the position for the advertisement. It might be a little easier to get away with that in soccer, maybe with baseball, with the unique camera angles. I'm curious. I'm going to watch. I'm probably going to look at this on Saturday, see what some of these games are. I know MLB TV is going to have some games. I know ESPN is going to have some games as well. And I'm going to be watching just to kind of get a feel for what baseball looks like with COVID-19. And this might be a glimpse of the future for at least the uh, immediate future for the rest of the sports. NHL, I'm still curious how that's going to look. Football, we haven't got there yet. But could you imagine if you're playing football without fans – Can you see if NFL stadiums, maybe a better way of doing it, the college stations, I mean, the college stadiums, I don't know. It's going to depend on each stadium, but you could have 
those ads as well, right where the good seats are. If you're not going to have fans, you're going to have all that empty space. It might be a good time to string some type of banner ads there, take advantage of the real estate. You don't have to worry about blocking anyone's view. So that might be something you do in the short term. Again, uh, that could be just an extra money. It could be lucrative for a, a few schools. It could be really helpful for others. NFL might be leading the way as far as how the game presentation looks because, again, they're at least more unified than the rest of football when it comes to college. But baseball is back. We have it for you, and I'm looking forward to it on Saturday. We haven't had that, say, in several months because we were in the middle of spring ball when all of this happened. So we had some spring games going on. We were sort of in between that that spot between We've got college basketball, and we've got that spring baseball. We had that going on, and then all of a sudden that got shut down. Because usually, you know how it goes. If you're a longtime listener of the station, you know how we do things. We always go with March Madness. We always have March Madness. And then March Madness ends right when baseball season truly begins. And then there's that occasional Marshall baseball game that we would do now and then. But other than that, we were going to be straight baseball to this point. We were going to have games almost every single day. Instead, we've had nothing for several months. So it's going to be nice because I was listening for a while when they were offering them the classic games, listening to it, and it was background noise for me. I really wasn't interested. I knew because these were winners. These were games that the Pirates had picked and other networks had done this as well. They picked winners, the games that their team won. So I knew the outcome. There wasn't any excitement there. It wasn't something like, I've not heard this game. How, how did it end? It was like a classic World Series game or a classic Division Series game. And you know how that ends. You, you always know in the back of your mind, okay, I, I know what's going to happen here. But for me, listening to it on the radio, it was like background noise. Uh, the only time I've really gone back and watched a classic baseball series, not – in a long time have I done that. but And this was over-the-air television. There wasn't a major league network. There wasn't anything like that. They showed, I think it was on then Channel 23, WVAH when it was on 23. I think that was when it was still 23. They showed the replay, of course, of the uh, 1990 Cincinnati Reds World Series. And that was a sweep. And I watched all that again because that was pretty cool. But just to have a game on as background, and that's really what it's been. I think that's what a lot of us have missed, or at least I know I have. I've missed sort of that background noise to my life, that soundtrack. I mean, some people put the TV on and just watch, and, and they have it as background noise or doing other things. And, you know, same thing for me. I might be doing something else, but I would have a game on as at least a background. And if it got really good, I, I would get super interested in it. Yeah, same thing with NASCAR. I, I don't watch NASCAR. I don't listen to NASCAR, except if it's close towards the end, and I know it, I'll flip over. I'll tune it in and, and catch maybe the last 20, 30 laps because that's when I'm really interested in it. And our producer, Spencer Dupuis, yelling at me saying, hey, what about when Jason Toy's on? And no, no. 
Definitely not. Jason's got some NASCAR action coming up this weekend. You can listen to all that on our sister station, Big Buck Country 101.5. But um, enough of talking about Jason Toy. That's not what this program is about. It's about your phone calls at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. We've got, as I mentioned, some things I want to get into it with you. First of all, we're still trying to figure out what the Marshall football schedule might look like if more and more leagues decide they're going to go to either a conference-only schedule or a conference-plus schedule, cut back the amount of games. The American, they seem to have a game plan. Nothing they're saying includes canceling right now, as we're not at that point yet with a lot of these conferences. Some of the smaller leagues, some of the non Television revenue leagues, the ones that they're not going to be raking in that much TV cash anyway. It might be more beneficial for them to to cut the operating expense. We're seeing more of those leagues decide they're going to hold back on what's happening with fall sports. We'll talk about that. And we talk about how college athletics right now, budgets are shrinking. There's a loss of money the NCAA, March Madness, that was a big hit. Potential revenue loss for football if, if it's not played. And you've seen some coaches take salary cuts. Well, not everyone in the power conferences taking the salary cut. A lot of these coaches have actually avoided taking a voluntary salary reduction. And I would think if you're trying to save money, you're trying to make your athletic department as lean as possible, streamline as possible, to get through, to weather this COVID-19 storm, you would think some coaches might step up. If you're making $9.3 million, I think you can volunteer. And again, I'm, this is me telling someone what to do with their money. I, I get that. I understand that completely. But if you're, make, you're, you're making $9.3 million, you're making $8.9 million, and you're not taking a voluntary cut, What's the deal? We'll talk about it when we continue with today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. This is The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to the Friday, July 17th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So right now we're in a, a budget crunch. A lot of people still in unemployment. A lot of people are on reduced salaries, reduced hours. A lot of us have taken hits, and it's due in part to the economic impact of the pandemic. College athletics, it's a different type of economic impact because you've lost the ability at this time to have sporting events. You have a potential loss of sporting events. You also are losing maybe donation money. You might be losing television money. You're losing a lot of revenue streams. You're also seeing the cost of doing business go up. Donations, as I mentioned, down. So there are a lot of reasons why athletic departments maybe are are trimming salaries a little bit temporarily or cutting sports. I hate that, but a athletic department has to figure out how to survive. And if a 
program is expendable to keep the rest of the athletic department afloat, you're going to see that in the minds of a lot of administrators, a lot of presidents of universities, a lot of athletic directors. That stuff's going to happen. Now, if you're at the Power Five level, you're not immune to what has been happening as far as budget cuts are concerned. You're not. Because the way college athletics seem to operate, and it's not true for all, but the way it seems to operate is what you bring in, you spend. There's not a huge nest egg because a lot of it's going towards facilities, recruiting, upkeep. There's a lot of money coming in and there's a lot of money going out. There's not a, a giant war chest at most universities because you're trying to keep up with the other universities. You're trying to compete in an arms race. And so when you have a survey that ESPN conducts of 65 Power 5 conference schools, along with 10 other prominent basketball programs. These numbers are kind of interesting to me. 33 of the 75 schools, at least one of either the football or basketball coaches, had agreed to have his pay cut to deal with the financial crisis brought on by the pandemic. So that's pretty cool. A lot of coaches decided, you know what? Let's make it easy on the rest of us. You know, I'll take a salary cut temporarily. I get it. I understand. I can do without that extra 10%. I'm okay. So a lot of coaches taking a cut. But these are the interesting numbers. Eight of the 10 football coaches with the largest salaries. Now, we're not talking middle range here or the low part of the scale. We're talking eight of the 10 football coaches with the largest salaries during the academic year have not had their salaries reduced. And some of those include Nick Saban. Nick Saban's making $8.9 million. So Alabama has not reduced Nick Saban's salary. Clemson and Dabo Sweeney, no reduction there, $9.3 million. These are also the highest paid in the sport. Saban and Sweeney are the guys making the most money. Now, basketball coaches, half of the 10 highest paid have not taken cuts, including the nation's top paid basketball coach, and that's John Calipari. So he's not taking a cut. You would think that there would be something in place to say, look, we're not bringing in the revenue the way we should, so we're making some across-the-board reductions. And I'm sure each university has their own methodology or system of how they're making cuts, but if you ask someone who is low on the totem pole to take a cut, that means you've already instituted some cuts at the high level. It would not be fair if someone low on the totem pole at Marshall University is taking cuts if someone higher up isn't. And for the record, Marshall University has instituted that scale, which employees over a certain amount are taking a reduction, and that includes, as some of the highest paid employees on campus, Athletic Director Mike Hamrick, Doc Holliday, Marshall's football coach, Dan D'Antoni, Marshall's basketball coach. So if you meet a certain level, and of course the pay scale is different between Marshall and Alabama, let's just go ahead and say that now. 
But these are things that have happened. So if you've got people who are higher up the chain taking cuts, it's a little bit more of a balanced act when you have to cut people who are lower on the chain. But these are the coaches that are making lots of money, haven't taken cuts yet. Now, Jim Harbaugh, Michigan's coach, he made $7.5 million. He's tied for third highest with Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher. He is the highest-paid football coach to take a pay cut. He agreed to a one-year 10% reduction. It's a good move on his part. It will foster some goodwill. It also helps the athletic department because Michigan, again, like all other athletic departments, not immune to what's happening financially. And basketball coaches, of course he's going to take a coaching cut. Coach K at Duke, he's the highest paid to agree to that cut. He made $7.3 million last year's, and he was also part of a round of salary reductions at the school. The highest paid employees had their pay trimmed from 2.5% to 10%. So if you're asking someone who's pretty low on the totem pole, you ask someone who's pretty low on the hierarchy to take a cut. You should be asking someone who is very high on the pole, take a cut. But Alabama, they seem to be flush with cash. Clemson, they seem to be pretty good. They've got cash. Kentucky, they've got cash, right? Because these guys haven't taken cuts. Now, will there be cuts here in the new academic year? That's a possibility. Let's keep that in mind. There could be cuts coming. We don't know what the financial landscape is going to look like because, again, the SEC thinks that they might get this thing in. The Big 12, we haven't heard from them yet. They might get this thing in. The ACC, they might be able to get this thing in. We don't know. And, of course, you've got the AAC, the Power 6 school. They think they might get this thing in. And they're still keeping quiet there. They're not going to make any decision about fall sports for a few weeks. But they do have some plans in place just in case it comes to that. So they have developed their plans to deal with football in the middle of a pandemic. They're going to wait, and they're probably going to wait and see what the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 do. Here is what came out of the league. Mike Oresco the commissioner of the AAC. He said, if we can't play 12 and if we can play 10, our preference would be a hybrid schedule with our normal eight conference games and two non-conference games. So they're looking at eight plus two. He also cited the importance of several high-profile non-conference matchups. He's looking at TCU, SMU. He's looking at USF and Texas and, of course, Army-Navy. That's a big game, Army-Navy. So that's what his preference is as far as a commissioner of a league. He also mentioned that there's a 10-game all-conference schedule. It's drafted and ready to go if they need it. So if the league decides, well, can't play non-conference games, got to keep it all in-house, guess what? Or if they don't have enough um, non-conference games to qualify for a, a schedule, they could make some pivots here. They could make some changes. And... They don't want to. They don't want to. They're playing wait and see. That's what they're doing. They're sitting back and going, oh, you know what? Let's just, let's just see what this looks like here in a few weeks. And right now, the numbers are not good. The outlook isn't good. And 
it all comes down to people making a personal choice. Either you wear a mask and help everyone out with the spread or at least trying to stop the spread, or you go about your day and what happens, happens. Again, wear your mask. You've heard it before on the show. If you haven't, you haven't been listening. Wear your mask. But that's what the Americans doing. So they've got their draft ready to go, and they've got their plan. 72 hours before a game, tested for COVID-19 at least. Players with high-risk exposure to the virus, quarantined for 14 days. And a player test positive for coronavirus must isolate for 10 days if he has no symptoms, while those who have symptoms must be symptom-free for at least 72 hours. Any person in contact with the player tested positive, 14-day quarantine. So that's what that looks like right now. And that's what they're hoping is they can get through with this testing. But if we've seen a lot of schools didn't do it well during the voluntary workouts. So what makes you think you can get it right if you have real game situations here? You haven't got it right yet. A lot of schools got it right. A lot of schools didn't. It's been hit or miss. Thankfully, Marshall University has been one of those schools that got it right. We've heard other schools get it right as well. But it's all right now still the wild, wild west when it comes to this. And I still think we're not looking at the picture correctly here. We're trying to put the cart before the horse. We're trying to put that ahead. The cart doesn't pull the horse. The horse pulls the cart. And bowls, the lifeblood of college football, right? We all strive for the bowl games. And honestly, if it was my uh, my choice, I could do without several bowls a year. And you're looking at trying to figure out how to get your conference schedule in and try to get a small schedule in. The FBA executive director, that's the Football Bowl Association, the director there, Nick Carpalli, Carparelli, I'm sorry. He says patience and flexibility are the key right now. He said that the bowls are determined to make it work. Also said patience and flexibility the key right now as he and his partners try to forecast how the rest of the year might play out. And he has said he's talked to um, the 10 FBS conferences and their commissioners and athletic directors, and they have assured him they're committed to maintaining the bowl season. I don't know how you can maintain the bowl season if you can't even get to the college football season. Again, you're putting, you're putting the wrong thing in front of you. Let's get to the point where you can have the college football season first, and then you can worry about the bowls. But the college football playoff, and this is Bill Hancock, the college football playoff will be ready for, quote, whatever comes down. And the committee will stick to picking the four best teams no matter what schedules look like in 2020. Everybody else trying to figure out what they're doing. The college football playoff, you can you can bubble these teams, right? Because you're almost doing it anyway. If you pick the four best teams and then you isolate them, you bubble them, these kids agree to that, and I'm sure they will. If they're playing, they're playing. You could probably pull that off because you'd have to quarantine for, what, a couple weeks before 
the first game and then a couple weeks before the championship game. So we're looking at four weeks. If you're playing for a national championship, you got four teams, maybe four weeks. You could probably make that work. You could probably figure that out. And that's where we're at with college football right now. Putting, I think, a lot of people are putting the wrong thing in front. Because I'm still looking at high numbers and high infection rates. And I'm looking at people still maybe not taking it as serious as they should. So here's where we're at right now. It comes down to this. You want college athletics wear a mask. You want to see college sports wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. Don't go and hang out at Walmart all day long. Which, by the way, you have to wear a mask there, too. And Target and a lot of other chains that are now on board with it. Isn't it funny that we're seeing, finally, we're seeing a lot of these stores, the businesses, taking steps that maybe should have been taken several weeks ago. No shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. Thankfully, you can listen to this show wherever you're at. And if you're doing it correctly, you can do it without a mask. But if you're in a, a situation where you have a lot of people around you and you don't know who they are, you're all gathered around the radio, uh, put your mask on. More on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Don't worry. Paul Swan has the wheel on The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255 to be a part of today's edition of The Drive here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Some good news for the Cincinnati Bengals. A.J. Green signs the franchise tag. So camp is going to begin here in about a week or so. And A.J. Green, he's going to be there. Green signed his franchise tag today. That puts him back on track. He's going to get on the field with teammates, and that'll be the first time in a long time with him. Missed all of last season. He injured his ankle. What? Really, you remember this? It was at that terrible field on one of those NFL publicity tour stops. It wasn't a field that I would practice on if I have multi-million dollar players on my roster, I wouldn't put them. I would not put my multi-million dollar athletes on anything that is going to wreck them. Plain and simple. Not because I'm losing my value or my investment. It's that I'm paying them a lot of money because they're valuable to me as a football player, and so I should treat them with some value. I should treat them well. Here you go. We're paying you well. We, we're we paying you because we, we expect you to perform, but at the same time, we're going to give you the tools you need. And you know what? Terrible field conditions are not part of the tool set to have a successful, healthy career in the NFL. It was ridiculous. I mean, you didn't see him on the – and, of course – that means Andy Dalton didn't have his favorite target. Now, he's back. Zach Taylor, head coach of the Bengals, says A.J. is one of the best receivers in the NFL. He's an important part of our plans, and we're thrilled to have him in the fold from day one. We're looking forward to the impact of his talent and leadership on our offense this season. Now, he's going to make just under $18 million this season. That's under the terms of the tag. Under $18 million. It's just, I mean, I don't know how he makes it through the week. 
I, I really don't. I, I don't know how he gets to the end of the year, $18 million. But in a statement released by Bengals Executive Vice President Katie Blackburn, she said that the club looks forward to the opportunity at the end of the season to discuss keeping him here long-term by signing another contract. And A.J. Green, he also spoke to this. He told Jeff Hobson, if you read Bengals.com, he said that he hopes to do the same. He'd like to play four more years and then retire as lifelong member of the Bengals. And wouldn't that be something? A.J. Green, retiring a lifelong member of the Bengals, started and finished his career. I mean, how amazing would that be? And maybe you get into the playoffs and maybe some win some games. Maybe you get this thing together. I don't know. Maybe make a, a Super Bowl run or at least get this to the point where you can make Super Bowl runs and you're getting back in the playoffs and you're winning. And you could really look back and say, okay, I didn't get to win a Super Bowl, but I got things started and maybe that's going to lead to some further success. And as a lifelong member of the Bengals, you know, I might not actually be in the game they win, but if I'm part of this organization, hey, I want to do it. Or if this thing comes crashing down, he gets the heck out of Dodge. If this thing comes crashing down, do you think here in a few years if the fans aren't coming, the team's not winning, and it's just falling apart that this thing might not be picked up and lifted from Cincinnati and taken elsewhere, a larger market maybe. Maybe you go somewhere where you can dominate more of the state or more of the market and you can make some more money. You get a new stadium deal because NFL teams love their stadium deals. Professional teams love their stadium. I mean, we're talking billionaires here. Billionaires fleecing you for a new stadium. Not taking the money out of their own pocket here. Here it is. I'm putting down a big chunk of my own money because, you know what, I'm a billionaire. I got this. And recouping the money through other means. But no, here we are. I want a new stadium. And if you don't give me one, I'm going somewhere where they will give me a new stadium. And of course, Paul Brown Stadium, that's a very nice stadium. Hamilton County maintains it. It's completely different than what they did with the Cincinnati Reds. Completely different. At the same time, we talk about facilities all the time. Why do you think Marshall has to struggle to raise money? Because you're not just going to be able to say, hey, look, we're going to take Marshall University. We're going to lift it out of here. It doesn't work like that for college. No, completely different. There's no, all right, you, you want Marshall football. Well, you're going to have to pony up, or if not, we're taking that out of here. That doesn't happen in college athletics. So where you're at is where you're at, and you've got to try to um, find other ways to entice people to give you money. And it means winning. And how do you win? That's a good question, my friends. That is a good question. How do you win? Don't forget... We'll have Bengals football coming up here if they play. We don't know what the the ultimate schedule is going to be, but if they play, we're going to have Bengals football right here on ESPN 94.1 FM 
and AM 930. I've got a list of conferences that are going to be postponing or canceling sports. We'll talk about that and also one of the top assistants, according to Stadium and Conference USA, well, he coaches for Marshall. We'll talk about it when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We have got several leagues coming back with some postponements. Also, we have got one top assistant in Conference USA to talk about. But let's tell you first what's happening with some of the leagues that are making announcements. First of all, the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference announced today they're going to limit fall competition for 2020. Their council of presidents, they're canceling non-conference play, and they're starting with volleyball and soccer. And they also voted for no summer access for basketball student-athletes basketball activities can begin once the full student population returns to campus. Also, the Atlantic 10, they are postponing fall sports. And that includes championships. The league's going to have a reevaluation period. If the situation is improved, that's going to allow for a quicker restart. Things improve, A-10, they're going to be right on it. And then you've got the American East. They have made it known that they intend to postpone all fall athletic competition. They haven't made a decision yet regarding basketball or other winter sports, but right now, fall athletic competition, they're being postponed from the American East. And then you have the Colonial Athletic Association. Their board of directors releases the following statement in regards to participation in fall sports. Due to the impending pandemic and unique circumstances of its 10 members, CAA announces a suspension of conference football, which allows members to schedule as independents. So guess what? Go out, do your thing. Here's what they said. As we each navigate this pandemic, we recognize that each of our 10 members must rely on local and state guidance as well as medical expertise that may result in different decisions and different timelines for each institution. Therefore, we support each other and the unique circumstances of each of our campuses and communities to make decisions that are best for them. So basically, okay, you're on your own. If you can play, great. If you can't, you're on your own. Again, we're talking the Colonial Athletic Association. We're not talking... We're not talking... The Big 12. We're not talking the ACC. We're not talking the SEC. We're not, I don't care if it's James Madison, Spencer Dupuis, keep yelling in my ear. James Madison does not make a league. One school. One school. I don't think that you should have, hey, go out and do your own thing. I mean, that's the problem we're in right now. There is nothing that is coordinated. So, no, there should be a little bit more of a game plan for everyone. Because what's James Madison going to do? James Madison going to go out and schedule games because, well, you know what? We're, we're allowed, so let's go out and schedule games. They're, it's okay over here. It's okay. You know, so we're, you know, it's just going to be a hodgepodge. So, no, I think if you're going to do this, you are going to – 
have to do this collectively. But you're allowed to schedule as an independent. Okay, there you go. School rights. And finally, Stadium, they have a series of articles that they're working on. And today, they are looking for, and they did a survey in Conference USA, some of the top basketball assistants in Conference USA. This is Jeff Goodman doing his work. And third on the list in Conference USA was Mark Klein. So Mark Klein being honored by Stadium as the number three guy. And again, this is uh, not them just pulling names out of a hat. They actually, Stadium, did some legwork, and they asked others in Conference USA. So basically, a lot of people in Conference USA said, hey, you know what, Mark Klein, that's a guy. That's a guy you need to talk to. That's a guy that does good work. And they're putting together a nice little bio on him. If you uh, go to watchstadium.com, you can read the entire story. But uh, here's what one Conference USA assistant said about Mark Klein. Strong recruiter and on-floor coach who is back home at Marshall. Experience working at so many different programs makes him a versatile recruiter and coach. And, of course, if you go to Marshall early, you get there early for a game, you see him, he's on the court. He's always working. He's in great shape. You see the guy, and you're thinking, I wish I was... I wish I was, uh, if I'm half his age, and in good shape there. So Mark Klein, the article continues to read, and, and they even got a quote from Dan D'Antoni. Uh, here's what Dan had to say. He said, Mark is a top assistant that is knowledgeable game coach with the ability to take over positions, or I'm sorry, portions of practice. Uh, he's very capable in all administrative work, such as scheduling, is easy to work with, and will help you win all golf outings. Yeah, so, okay. That's his golf buddy right there. That's what he's talking about. Dan's like, that's my golf guy. I like that. Because you know Dan. Dan's going to come in. Dan's a hard worker, but you didn't. You don't know it. Because he comes in, he's just like always in a good mood. He's, uh, he's always relaxed. Hey, how you doing? Sure, I'll talk to you for 20 minutes. Come on over. Yeah, you know. You, but no, Dan's working hard. And then you know, backing him up is, um, is Mark Klein. So uh, it's a good tandem. It's a good duo of um, Klein and, and Dan Tony. Those guys really uh, do a fantastic job. And honestly, uh, when has Marshall basketball been where it's at? I mean, right now, Marshall basketball, Marshall basketball has been a situation where over the last few years, it's been on the rise. Got to the NCAA tournament. Also, it has got a lot of buzz because of players like John Elmore, Ott Elmore. All of these guys have really been able to put it together and get some buzz created about Marshall University. I mean, think about it. More people now got to see a little slice of what Dan D'Antoni's ball looks like than any other time. Even the NCAA tournament, I'm sure, because we're all craving basketball. So you see John Elmore out there. You see Ott Elmore, the internet legend, the hero that we all knew we needed and finally got. And that guy, honestly, probably did more for Marshall basketball than anybody, including Elmore. And the fact that heard that was able to go through the basketball tournament several games in. I mean, that's the thing. Several games in, they were able to go in and be able 
to spread the news. Hey, here's what Marshall basketball looks like. And what is Marshall basketball? Well, part of that's Mark Klein. Part of it's that guy. He's out there. And as I said, you see him out there. He's hustling. He's always on the court. And I'm sure if you were half his age, you were not in half the shape he is in because he's always out there. Uh, He could probably still go today. He could probably still play at this very moment. And that's a cool article. Check it out on Stadium. Of course, um, we've got basketball hopefully coming up here in the next few months um, because we don't know what's going to happen in winter sports. That's a thing. That's a different beast altogether. But that's for another day. Don't forget, coming up tomorrow, right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930, we're going to have baseball action for you. That's right, the Pittsburgh Pirates exhibition game taking on the Cleveland Indians. Our airtime is set for 7 p.m. First pitch is going to be 7.05. You can watch it right here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You watch it by turning on your radio and just looking at it like they did back in the old days where families would just gather by the radio and and they would just sit and watch the the warm light of the radio. Radios aren't that cool anymore. Um, We also have got Pirates action coming up on the 20th and the 22nd, and then we get into our our full schedule of Pittsburgh Pirates baseball for the foreseeable future. We're going to have a game almost every day. I can't believe we're actually at that point again. We're going to actually have a game almost every day for the foreseeable future, not only are we going to have Pirates baseball? We're going to have ESPN Sunday night baseball, some Thursday night baseball coming up as well. Uh, they're going to kick things off with the Yankees and Washington on Thursday, July 23rd. We'll have Sunday night baseball every Sunday for the foreseeable future. Also, we're going to have several NBA games. We get things started on July 30th. We're going to have the Clippers and the Lakers as um, the season begins for the NBA. We're also... As we can work it in, we're going to have NHL action. Uh, We have got coming up on Saturday, August 1st, we're going to have Chicago and Edmonton. That's going to be game one of their qualifier. And on Wednesday, August 5th, we'll have Pittsburgh and Montreal on our sister station, Cat Sports 93.3 and 1340, as we are going to have every day. I'm looking at the schedule. After we get started, Wednesday, July 22nd is the final exhibition game for the Pittsburgh Pirates that we're going to air. After that, we will have an official game starting on July 23rd. As I scroll down the schedule, the next time we won't have a game will be August 17th. There will be one gap August 24th, one gap on August 27th, and... We'll have to go into September, and then at that point, we don't know what we're going to have with far as Marshall football is concerned. Uh, also, you know what will NFL football look like? So we are going to finally be at that point where uh, we have something to talk about, other than what school is canceling what, what school is postponing what. We've got actual real play-by-play action coming up, and I'm excited for it. But I'm also a little apprehensive because this is going to be sort of a test case. This is going to be something that we're going to be watching for a lot of data points, a lot of, a lot of opportunity here to see if they get it right, how it's going to work, can they get it right, and 
Will there be breakouts? Will there be hot spots? Will we see teams lose quarantine? Will we see teams have to stop play because, well, multiple members of the team have been infected? And does that mean more than one team has to be shut down? Will we have to stop this in midseason? What's going to happen? And so that's what I'm interested in. I want to see where we go with this. And that's going to do it for this edition of the show. For our producer, Spencer Dupuis, I'm Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.